0: Support for this podcast comes from the Phil Smith Center for Free Enterprise at the FAU College of Business. The Phil Smith Center for Free Enterprise supports the vision and strategic plan of the College of Business to advance thought leadership in business. The center supports chaired professorships and research, educational programs for faculty members and students, distinguished visiting faculty, along with a lecture series and other educational programs focused on the principles of free enterprise and how those principles affect growth and prosperity. Learn more at business.fau.edu forward slash Phil Smith.
1: Hello, my name is Dan Gropper, and I am the Dean of the College of Business at Florida Atlantic University. This fall, we hired a number of excellent new research faculty to join us here at Florida Atlantic. Douglas Cumming and Sophia Johan join us from the Schulich School of Business at York University in Toronto. They're a husband and wife team, and we are thrilled to have them join us here at Florida Atlantic University. While they each have impressive scholarly records on their own, together they have produced three books and more than 30 referee journal articles. Sophia, I understand one of your areas of interest is in helping entrepreneurs raise money. Tell us a little bit about how that interest affects your research and your teaching.
2: Well, in a previous and more profitable life, I was a venture capitalist. And uh, when I started doing my PhD and my research, I wanted to sort of address the issues that I faced as a venture capitalist, having trouble investing in uh, startup companies, and more importantly, dealing with entrepreneurs who were brilliant in what they did. Except they didn't really understand the financial market. They didn't really understand the area of venture capital. So what I do in my teaching and my research is try to understand how to mitigate these problems so that we can breach the capital gap in a sense that, you know, the venture capital will get to the entrepreneurs and the entrepreneurs will fully utilize the capital invested in these companies. So. That's how it started. It's just I wanted to help some entrepreneurs, the students that I teach, uh, create startups. And I wanted to help them uh, sort of utilize efficiently uh, the monies that are given to them. And also, I wanted the uh, sort of future investment bankers and future venture capitalists that I teach about um, how to understand uh, investments in startup high-tech new industries that don't necessarily exist yet, like sort of like Uber and um, that sort of thing. Um, That's that's as simple as explanation as I can give.
1: Doug, I understand you and your wife, Sophia, are working on a book together about IPOs, initial public offerings. Tell us a little bit about that project.
3: Thanks very much. The book is with Oxford University Press, a leading publisher. And uh, initial public offerings are extremely important uh, for companies. It's one of the most important milestones a company can reach to get a listing on a stock exchange for the very first time. And in our book, we assemble a leading collection of scholars uh, around the world that are studying initial public offerings, and uh, deal with some of the more important issues today about how companies are accessing capital markets. So, for example, uh, a big debate these days deals with having dual-class shares and special voting rights for founders that are going public. And because there are so few IPOs relative to what we've seen in prior years – investment banks are more inclined to take companies public with these dual-class shares. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, among other topic areas, hopefully you'll take a look at our book and see some answers to these types of questions.
2: One of the main reasons why we decided to work on this book together is because we teach venture capital and that is, I believe, the holy grail for many young startup companies, which is how do we go for an IPO? And this book sort of collected, uh, leading research in the area so that our students and our co-authors would be able to access in a simple handbook, leading, leading research on, on IPOs around the world. It isn't just the U.S. market or the European markets. It's, it's IPO markets are everywhere. No. And, and it's important for us to realize that that we are not restricted to just a few markets. There are larger markets to, to expand to, and especially for companies that are hoping to go global. Um, so that's why we just wanted a one-stop center, I guess, for researchers to access.
1: Sophia, I understand you have a recent project going on with crowdfunding. Talk to us a little bit about that.
2: I think it's... It started because uh, we see as, uh, we see crowdfunding as an extension of venture capital. In a sense, it's it's there are changes in the U.S. with the Jobs Act, and uh, Canada recently uh, made crowdfunding available. And I mean equity crowdfunding, not Kickstarter, where it's product or donation-based crowdfunding. This is equity crowdfunding, where people like you and I can easily go online at three o'clock in the morning and invest in companies. And I think that's uh, it, it's an under-researched area. In a sense, you kind of figure out this in the financial markets. We know stock markets are heavily um, researched, we know private equity markets are heavily researched. Uh, hedge funds are heavily researched. So all these investment avenues, uh, there's a lot more information about these areas. Except for crowdfunding, that's so new, and we wanted to get into this area to sort of um, mitigate any risks in investments to help help sort of our our students and other researchers uh, get a better idea of what crowdfunding is about because that is where companies will be getting funding in the future. They already are. But increasingly, it's becoming more popular uh, to to tap the, I suppose, the retail market, which is relatively high risk for investors in that sense. Um, so that's just how it came about. And we were asked to write a book. On it, and and we hope to be able to use it in our classes because there's a lot of interest in students, and becoming crowdfunders, funders, uh, providing platforms, crowdfunding platforms, fintech. Uh, I think it's this the use of technology uh, in financial markets today is extraordinary, and we wanted to just do some research on that.
1: Doug, I understand you've just finished a book on the so-called triple bottom line of investing. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
3: Yes. The triple bottom line of investment refers to three components, social, environmental, and financial performance. And historically, uh, either uh, companies uh, didn't so much focus on social and environmental performance, uh, that's been increasingly uh, looked at over the years, and uh, what our book does is examines the interplay between these three areas. It's um, uh, becoming increasingly apparent that social and environmental performance are are intertwined with financial performance. For example, uh, many people have become aware that climate risk uh, is uh, one of the major components of stock risk. So pricing models for publicly traded companies uh, increasingly incorporate issues like climate risk. Uh, uh, To fail to do so is going to be to improperly specify financial models. So our book uh, brings together the latest uh, research on these topics from leading scholars around the world. And... Uh, will hopefully inspire uh, firms, uh, students, and regulators alike to increasingly think about these topics. Certainly in the rec- mandated disclosure uh, through securities regulators around the world are starting to require that uh, financial risks are not the only types of disclosure, but also, for example, environmental risks as well.
1: Sophia, I understand you have a specific interest in business ethics and financial markets. Talk to us a little bit about that.
2: You know, when you start your your financial well, your training in financial and uh, training in academics, um, especially in finance, you know, you start off with you start off with being taught that in an efficient market, um, the current market prices of stocks and bonds fully reflect available information. Um, now. Being legally trained, however, we, we always, um, sort of were, were exposed to the, the, the darker side of, of life, so to speak. So I've, I've always wondered, well, what happens if the available information is misleading or fraudulent? So how does that affect the financial market? And, you know, many academics have done this and I, we've been lucky or, uh, Doug and I have been lucky also in a sense that we've been able to get great data uh, on market supervision and market enforcement around the world. Um, and our papers have been published in Journal of Financial Economics and other leading uh, law and finance journals. Um, um, but I think what we, what we set out to do is Remember, we're getting older. So we're more interested in our retirement savings than we were 20 years ago. And the idea that frauds or undetected frauds may affect our um financial or our savings, our retirement savings uh, is of interest to us and I and we hope that it would be of interest to other investors investing in the market. Increasingly people, retirees are investing in the markets and they're trying to divest and they've just sort of realized over time that uh, the market participants that they thought they th- trusted um may not necessarily be doing what's best for them. Um, and we we sort of want to uh, highlight these issues that will um, help just hopefully us, <laughs> and uh, more importantly, just help other market participants um, in understanding that what, you know, the, the ethical breaches um, in the financial industry may not necessarily be fully reflected in in the prices and we're not you know suggesting that this has to be uh regulated to to a certain extent but yet maybe it's better for investors to be more aware of what they're investing in caveat mtor buyer beware but if they're not aware how are they going to be aware, right so that's just a a sort of a fun area of research that we we do um uh, and I, i think we hope that it will help um many people out there.
1: Which classes are you teaching this semester, and what are you looking forward to teaching next semester?
2: Oh, I'll start first as I'm teaching this semester. Um, I teach an MBA corporate finance course, and I also teach an undergraduate case studies course, uh, which is case studies based on corporate finance. Um, Let me start with the uh, MBA course. I, I find that fascinating because Um, of the student demographics and because of how um, excited the students are in learning finance. Um, Many of them do not have a financial background, so it is challenging. But yet at the same time, they are starting to appreciate just um, how finance affects every aspect of their life from their own personal finance just understanding time value of money uh, just understanding uh, compound interest and that's a basic aspect of it but you know just doing a discounted cash flow on any decisions that they make for example this decision decision to make that to do the MBA did they calculate the capital expense that they were going to invest and any future growth in their income many of them didn't but, you know, now they, they did it after I told, told them to. Um, I think it's important for future managers to understand finance, to be able to appreciate how central it is to every company's decision making process. And uh, I enjoy teaching that to them on, on, on you know, it's it's a more advanced level. But yet uh Something that they, it's crucial for them in their in their work life, I suppose for the undergrad students uh, we do real life application of the subjects or the theories that they've learned over the last two or three years. And I think it's interesting for them to apply their knowledge of share valuation to the Tesla case. And we work on uh, international cases because we can't assume that many of them will not work uh, overseas. Um, Tokyo, Hong Kong, Australia. So um, I, I enjoy doing that. I enjoy uh, sort of letting them fully absorb uh, the subject and apply the subject over the next 15 weeks. Um, What about you, Doug?
3: That's a tricky question because I am not currently teaching this semester. I have a few other professional obligations that have required me to travel for the next number of weeks. Uh, As the vice president and president-elect of the International Corporate Governance Society, I have to go to Shanghai tomorrow and I'll be away for... Three weeks in uh, China, including Shanghai, Macau, then uh, Vietnam, then uh, Kobe in Japan. Uh, then I come back uh, to for a couple of weeks to only go to Budapest, uh, to come back and then go to Santiago. So these, uh, this is for uh, as well work as the managing editor of the Journal of Corporate Finance, which keeps – me uh, rather busy and on the road more than I uh, should be. Uh, but I will have the opportunity to start teaching next semester. I'm very happy to have two courses. One is on venture capital and private equity. One of the areas that Sophie and I work in have written a textbook together on based on a number of our uh, research articles and practical experiences, uh, and that's a very fun class that uh, looks at the financing of startups, largely from a perspective of financial contracting. And we get into real hands-on detail about writing financial contracts, uh, how how the separation of cash flow and control rights works for entrepreneurs, uh, how that affects things like exit decisions and IPOs that we uh, also have in our related handbook on IPOs that we talked about the other class that I'm uh, uh, teaching is on the theory and practice of corporate finance, which I'm, uh, of course, very happy to uh, have a class on topic. also ties in nicely with our research areas and the work that I do as the editor of the Journal of Corporate Finance. So uh, I uh, look forward to meeting a number of new students next semester.
0: Dean Gropper Presents is part of the FAU College of Business Podcast Network. To learn more, visit us at business.fau.edu forward slash podcasts and follow Dean Gropper on Twitter at FAU Business Dean.